Open your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. You know, in the, the recent uh, weeks, I've been teaching on the, the presence of the Lord, and we're not really going to get away from that too much, um, even though it may sound like it is, but it all has to do with his presence. Um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Let me get there. So I'm going to read to you out of um, the Amplified. Here we go. And really, the, the title of the message today is Perfecting Your Faith. Perfecting Your Faith. Because if your faith is not perfected, you're not going to receive everything heaven has for you. Yeah, I said this before, we, you know, you don't want to get into that mode of thinking that a lot of Christians have to think in that they, they, they think this way that they're receiving everything they deserve. Things will happen in their life and, well, I, you know, I'm the one that did it. So I guess, you know, I'm the one that has to, to pay the price for it because I did it. Well, you know, you don't, want, you don't want what you deserve. You want what heaven's offering. You never want what you deserve. You want what heaven's offering. And sometimes you can have faith, but you don't receive because your faith has not been perfected. You know, I mean, Jesus said, if you have faith the size of the grain of a mustard seed, which is not much faith, You'll say to the mountain, thou removed, cast in the sea, and not doubt in your heart, you'll have what you say. Right? Just a mustard seed faith will do that. But see, if your faith is not perfected, uh, you'll, you're, you're not going to have some things in your You'll be missing out on things because, why? It's all about changing how you think. Changing how you think. The apostle said in Romans, don't be, don't be conformed to the world's way of thinking, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your, your mind's got to be got to be transformed on a daily basis, not once a week. So what happens when you miss out on the feeding of the word of God, you're missing out on that transformation process. And basically what a lot of Christians do, they're starving their spirits to death. And they don't think much of it until something major, catastrophic happens in their life. And then a lot of times it's too late. Why? Because they don't have what they need to come back against it. Now, if you do, then you can come against it and, and you, you get on the other side of it. But if you don't, it can cost you not only your life, but many other, th many other things in your life that, that God wants, wants you to have. You, you there with me in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Paul says this in verse 10. And I'm, again, I'm reading from the Amplified. And we continue to pray especially and with most intense earnestness night and day that we may see your face, that we may see you face to face and mend and make good whatever may be imperfect and lacking in your faith. Notice here that Paul has a revelation. He says, I want to see you face to face so that we can mend 
or, or, or bring in, 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 into, into right standing anything that's imperfect in your faith. It's, if you have imperfect faith, you'll, you'll not receive what heaven has for you. Um, I'm reminded of the story in the Bible where well let's just go there uh, let's go to Acts chapter 14 Acts 14 Acts 14 and Paul has this encounter with this man Let's look at it in verse 8. And it says, And there sat a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's room, who never had walked. The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand upright on your feet. And he leaped and walked. Now, notice what happens here. Paul sees his face. Paul sees that he has faith to be healed. He sees it in him. Now, Paul then reaches out to him and says, Rise up! He has faith that he already has. The man stands up and can walk now. What would have happened if, if that man had never been in Paul's presence? He'd have been crippled the rest of his life. That's why what we, we just read back in 1 Thessalonians, Paul was saying, I want to see you face to face that I may perfect that which is lacking in your faith. That's why church attendance is so, so very important because a true shepherd... A true shepherd, when he sees or she sees your face, the Spirit of God will speak to them many times concerning what's going on in your life. And I will show you some things in the Scriptures that show you how important that is and really how God, how, how God actually has incorporated that into the Word of God. But many, see, many believers don't even, they don't even understand it. They've never heard it taught. That's why one of the things that we see in the church today, the fastest growing movement in the church is the unchurched. Many Christians today, just think, they just think they can sit at home and have church at home and don't have to attend, don't have to gather together. Well, the Bible talks about not, not forsaking the assembly together. It says that, not forsaking the assembling together. Why? Because many have, as Paul said, many have made their, their lives shipwrecked because they have forsaken coming together. Because there's something that happens with the shepherd when they see your face. And I was reminded of this, this story by a, a minister that they were giving this explanation that there was a young woman in, in the church, in this person, this pastor's church, 
and she was experiencing some things in her life that the Lord had showed the shepherd. And the shepherd, you know, I, you know, I want to clarify something. God doesn't show us everything that's going on in people's lives. He can, but he, he, he shows shepherds things so that not to embarrass you, but to help you. But in this particular instance, this shepherd said that the Lord had showed them a lot of things that this person was going through. And so what the shepherd did was, rather than confront them, they pulled the person aside and said, you know, there was a time in my life where I experienced this happening in my life. Not even addressing the situation with that person. The shepherd was able to, to say, this is what happened to me when I went through this certain situation, and this is what I did. This is how I handle it. Again, did not confront the person with what was going on in their life. Didn't say, the Lord told me that, that you're going through something. Didn't do that. Just a casual conversation. There was a time in my life that I had this going on in my life, and this is what the Lord showed me, and this is what I did, and the whole thing, situation turned around. They left that day. A few weeks later, this person came back to pastor and said, you know, pastor, I want to thank you for sharing your testimony of what the Lord did because I had a very similar thing going on in my life and I did what you said that you did and my whole situation's changed. See, that's what a shepherd does. That's what a shepherd does. A true shepherd is not out to embarrass the flock. They love the flock. They love the people. They're a help. And God, the way, you know, there are some things that God will only say to you through a shepherd. He won't say to you at home. He'll, he'll never say it to you. That's for all of us. And so many people, they make their lives a shipwreck because they don't have a shepherd speaking into the I mean, Jesus, when he looked upon the Israelites, and it said, it said that he looked upon them and he had compassion toward them because they were his sheep without a shepherd. A sheep, they were sheep without a shepherd. They had no protection. Because sheep, generally speaking, I know I had them for years, they're afraid of everything. And they do need protection. Because if they don't get protection, something can come in and, and, and destroy them. And a shepherd watches over the sheep. You know, we, we, we see Jesus as the good shepherd, right? And a lot of people see that. You know, well, the, well, the Lord is my shepherd. You know, Psalm, Psalm 20, the Lord is my shepherd. But I want you to picture this. And someone shared this with me years ago. And it's never, lost, it's never left me. You imagine it, Jesus coming to Boonville. Now we got all this beautiful um, archways in the city. Now I want to say something about that too. 
I told you God said, this is going to be a city of prayer. God's moving in this city. I don't care how they got there. I don't care what money was used because it's not about the money, it's about the plan. So many times people make a big deal in this community about the money, but it's about the plan of God. Unless you don't, unless you don't understand the plan of God, you're going to miss the whole thing. God don't care about money. It's the plan. This city is going to be called a city of prayer. It is, it is that now. It's not by accident this city is starting to look old. old. We're going back to what? We're going back to the days of days past when, when people honored God. People loved the Lord. Help me, what, what was I talking about before I kind of stepped off on that rabbit trail? The shepherd, thank you. Thank you. An announcement comes that the Lord is coming to town, to Boonville. And we all go down to the square because he's going to walk right down the main street into town, coming from the coming from the east to the west. We're all gathered there. On the side of the street, the roads are shut off because here comes the good shepherd. And here we see the good shepherd walking through town with his staff. Robes, beautiful robes. Eyes of, of blue water. Fiery hair. And then we look behind him and here comes the sheep. They're all limping. Some's dragging their feet. Some of them are holding up other sheep because they're broken. Some's missing hair all over their bodies. You get the picture I'm, I'm painting here? Is he a good shepherd? Oh. He looks good. But his sheep are a mess. The Lord's a good shepherd. So, the sheep got to be taught some things. And they're not being taught. Because you got a flock that their thinking's wrong. Their thinking is, <laughs> thank you, Lord. Their thinking is not lined up with Scripture. I'm reminded of another story about this little boy, and he had, he's kindergarten age, and his first day of school, they sent him to kindergarten. Well, this little, this little boy had kind of a, a nickname, and they called him by his nickname all, all his life. I mean, it was, you know, it was like one of those names that you knew wasn't a regular name, it was just a, you know, like Shorty or something like that, you know. You know, you, you, didn't, you, you didn't name the kid Shorty, but you, 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 know, you, you called him Shorty. So he goes, to church, he goes to kindergarten the first day, and the teacher's calling out roll for, for the class. And goes through there, and people are waiting, kids are raising their hands, and finally they get down, and this boy hadn't raised his hand yet. And they called out his name. He doesn't move. The teacher calls out his name again. He still doesn't move. Finally, the teacher comes over to him and says, is your last name this? Yeah. 
this is your first name. Oh, no, it's Shorty. So she writes, she writes a letter and, 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 and pins it to his chest and sends him home and says, Mom, Dad, please teach me my whole name. Now, he didn't read that letter. He didn't know what the letter read because he can't read. He's kindergarten. But see, there's a lot of truth in that because a lot of Christians go by what they've been called in the past. You're broke. You're not You're not defeated. Those aren't your names. You're a child of the king. You're the redeemed. You're the healed. You're the delivered. You're the prosperous. You have the Spirit of God living inside. I'm reminded of another story that years ago, Brother Hagin, there was a problem in, in, in the church, and they got, had all the, the board members had gathered around, and they were discussing what to do. And it went round and round and round and round, and they, they couldn't come up with answers on what to do. And finally, one of them said, Brother Hagin, what do you think we should do? He said, I think we should act like the Word of God's true. There's revelation. Yeah. Act like the word of God is true. Because see, until you get that mindset, we're not, we, we don't take the word of God and speak it to make it be truth. We take the word of God and we speak it because it is truth. It is truth. That's why Paul was longing to see people's faces so that he might perfect that which was lacking. Just like Paul, like um, uh, we just read in, in Acts, the man with the impotent feet, he had faith to be healed, but his, it was not perfected faith. It was imperfect faith. He looked into his face, he saw he had faith, but it wasn't perfected. And when he said to him, rise up, the man got up. The man got up. Because what Paul saw his face, saw that there was that he had faith to be healed. He just needed somebody to enact that faith. And that's what a shepherd does. If we go back there in uh, 1 Thessalonians, as I was meditating on this, In uh, chapter 2, I know we were in chapter 3, verse 10, but in chapter 2, verse 17, Paul says this, But since we were bereft of you, brethren, for a little while in person, of course, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and the great longing to see you face to face. There's some things that God will only do when you're sitting in the house of God face to face with your shepherd. And he can see some things. We're not going to go there just for time, but remember the story about Samuel and David? How, how God sends Samuel to Jesse's house. And God says, go to Jesse's house because I'm going to show you who the, who the next king is. So Je Je he goes to Jesse. 
And he says, bring me your, your sons. Because God's got a call on, their, on one of their lives. Well, Jesse in the flesh, I'm going to bring my oldest boy, right? I think it's Eliab. He brings in Eliab. Samuel looks at him and God says, nope, that's not him. Brings in the next one. Nope, that's not him. Brings in the next one. Nope, that's not him. Brings in, no, that's not him. You got any kids left? Well, I got this boy. He's out in the field. He just watches sheep. What's happening here? There's something happening here. People have missed it. Dad's protecting the baby. This is my last son. I don't include him with all the other ones because I'm going to watch over his life and protect him. Can you bring him here? Yeah, go get him. So here comes David. Samuel looks into his face and God says, that's him. What happened? God only told the prophet who it was when he saw his face. Samuel could have very easily have left that day and said, well, I've seen the kids and, uh, and ain't none of them yet. Well, there was one left, but you didn't ask. Samuel wasn't that way. He asked. You got one? Is there anybody out? There is one more. When he sees his face, when he sees his face, then God speaks. A lot of times, the answer that you're looking for is when the Father sees your face through the, the prophet of God, through the shepherd of God, then he'll speak. Why? Because he said, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. If you ain't willing or obedient to come into the house of God and honor the, God, the house of God, you'll miss what God has for you in your life. It can cost you everything. And we've got people that, well, we don't go to churches anymore because somebody made us mad. They parked in our parking spot. They sat in our seat. They offended me. I'm sorry, but Bible, Jesus said, woe unto those where offense comes. So see, if I get offended and I won't go back to a church because somebody offended me, I'm the one that's, offend I, I'm the one that's bringing the offense now. Right. Somebody offended me, but now... I am getting offended and I'm not doing what I'm supposed And Jesus said, woe unto you. It ain't good. Woe's not a good thing. So what happens is when people, they don't realize this because why? They're not taught. Or if they are taught, then they reject it. That, that two reasons why my people are destroyed. Only two. Lack of knowledge, they reject it. The devil doesn't have authority over you. He has no authority over you. And you've got to change your mind. You've got to change your thinking. I'm reminded of a story of another evangelist that came into a church. There was two women in the church. They both had cancer. They were both given death sentences. And the evangelist ministered to them. Both of them received healing. Both of them were healed. Six months later, 
The pastor in that church during prayer time was asking people for prayer. And one of these ladies raised her hand and said, I would like people to pray for me because the symptoms of my cancer has come back. The other sister that was healed of cancer, she raised her hand and said, Pastor, can I say something? He said, sure. She said, I'd like to say something to my sister. She said, the devil tried to put those symptoms back on me too. And I told him, no, you're not. You're not stealing what God gave me. What this one lady was trying to do is she was trying to get others do for her that which only she could do for herself. She was trying to shift responsibility from herself to the entire congregation. Corporate prayer is good. It's powerful. But say Jesus said wherever two agree, two agree. And something the Lord showed me, he said literally a lot, a lot of times, because I've had him here. There's one person, I won't name who, but there's one person in particular over the years would always come in and say the same thing, I'm believing God for this, I'm, and I'm like, you know, I just got to the said, Lord, if, you, if she comes back here again, I'm going to flat tell her, you are not believing God! Because you're not. You can't believe God for years and years and years and years and years. When are you going to receive it? She wasn't in my church. I, he said, well, that's awful mean talk. She wasn't in my church. She, she, she didn't belong here. And I know what she was doing. She'd go everywhere she went, every place she would go. Same thing. Please pray for me. I believe in God for this. No, you're not. Here's what the Lord showed me. He said, it's, the prayer of agreement is like this. You take, and he showed me, see, he thinks along carpentry lines because he's a carpenter by trade. He showed me a four by four. A four by four piece of wood. You know, that's pretty that's a pretty heavy piece of wood. He said, two of those, a four by four and another four by four, leaning against each other. It's gonna be some have some strength there. He said, many times what we have is we have a four-by-four four piece of wood. And the other one in, that's one in agreement is a stick that was stuck up in the tree for years and fell down on the ground. And they went to pick up that stick and lean it up against the four-by-four four piece of wood and see that it'll support it, and it won't because it'll snap. You ever seen a tree, a, a limb fall out of a tree that's been up there for years, and you go to pick it up? What's it do? It just crumbles in your hand. Why? Because it has no strength in itself. So a lot of times what people are doing is they're wanting others to pray for them rather than de develop their own faith. Jesus said this. He said, according to your faith, be it unto you. Again, corporate prayer is powerful, but see, we have to all be in agreement. What's that going to take? It's going to take you renewing your mind, changing how you think. You've got to think differently. You can come into an agreement. And when you come into agreement, that means you're going to stand. 
You're unbendable. You're unbendable. You're immovable. Now that kind of agreement will yield. The devil will yield to it. Oh, he'll put up a fight right away. Why? Because he knows his head's now on the chopping block. You put the devil's head on a chopping block, he will fight like the devil because why? It's over. And what happens with a lot of times Christians is we get, him, we get his head on the chopping block and we're about ready to cut it off and then we quit. What you allow to stay in your life, just like these two women, what you permit to stay in your life, that's what will rule in your life. The one woman said, I told the devil, get out! You're not taking what God has given me. And that's my healing. You've got to have that attitude. You have to. But so many times people are looking for, let somebody else pray for me. I cringe every time I hear, I hear pastors say, we got any unspoken prayer requests? How can we agree with that? I don't know what you're saying. Thank you, Lord. Well, we got that one there. Let's go to Isaiah. Isaiah 65. I was listening to uh, Dr. Dufresne. He, he's in heaven now, but he's still on YouTube. <laughs> Isaiah 65. We're just going to look at the first part of this. And, and I heard him say this. Well, let me do it in the Amplified. That's right. That's why I've got the Amplified today. Isaiah 65. Let me get there. You're, you're probably already there. But I heard him say this when I was listening to him earlier in the week. And I'm like, well, you know, you know things, you, you know, you know it's in the Word. But there's something that happens spiritually when you read it. It's, it's like adding fuel to God's holy fire. This is all most of it. Isaiah 65. And I just want to read the first part, so I'm not going to read the whole thing, so it's just a one, maybe not even a sentence out of it. Verse 16. So it shall be that he who invokes a blessing on himself in the land shall do so by saying. Well, he who invokes a blessing on himself shall do so by saying. In other words, if you don't say it, it ain't going to happen. Jesus said, you shall say to the mountain. He didn't say, I'll say to the God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not changing. He has not changed. There's greater clarity here, but if you're going to invoke a blessing on yourself, you're going to get it by saying it. We don't, I, said, I may have said this earlier, we don't speak the word of God to make it true. We speak the word of God because it is truth. By his stripes, I am healed. Not going to be, I am my God supplies all my need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus, not by my job, not by my bank account. 
God will always use what you have. Yes, Lord, I, 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 I'm sorry. I took so long getting to it. You're right. I repent. Proverbs 19. I think it's verse 21. He brought this scripture up to me this morning. And he said, because I wasn't on using this, but somebody needs to hear this. And it says this. Many are the devices of man. Now, we don't use that word devices so much, but you break it into the, into the now. Many are the plans of man. Man has many plans. But the counsel of the Lord, that's what's going to stand. That's what's going to stand. Anything, anytime anything happens to you, your first reaction should be you go to the Lord. Lord, what do I do about this situation? How did I get here? Why did I get here? Do I need to repent? Is there something I did that I shouldn't have done? Let's make it right. I know of an individual. I won't say who. I, 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 it, this is not about putting people down. You've got to use circumstances to give people a, a understanding sometimes. They've got to see some things. But they get, in, they get themselves into situations and they think that they can just say, I need your prayer. Well, prayer is a powerful thing. But when you're in sin, your prayers won't, they're not going to work. Your prayers won't work. You're just, it's like a brass heaven. They're just bouncing off the ceiling. I mean, if you ever had a chance, if you ever had a time where you seemed like you prayed and, and the words just kind of went up and they just fell right back down in your lap, like they, there's a reason why. Because you're, you're, you're going by your plans and you're not going by God's plan. What's God, God's plan? God's plan is repentance, renewing of the mind, being, being, being willing and obedient. You don't need to go to the land. But God's got a plan for your situation. He knows, he knows what needs to be done. There, and that's the plan you need. He's got a plan. I told you, he's got a plan for Boonville. And we're seeing it, we're seeing it happen in the natural. We're seeing it happen in the spiritual realm too. Just by some of the testimonies I heard this morning from y'all. We're praying that things are happening. People getting delivered. People getting healed. God can work. He can... He can he can do two things at once. He can work in the supernatural as well as the natural. This city is going to be called, and is called, a city of prayer. It's not going to look like trash in this city. Now, these people don't realize it, but God's supernaturally going around and cleaning this city up. Houses that are old and abandoned or fall apart, they're... God's having them taken down. Oh no, no, the city council. The city council is, is, is in God's hands. He raises people up, he puts them down. 
They won't do what he says. He'll just put somebody in there that will. But I'm telling you, God's got a plan for this city. And he's not concerned about the money. All the silver and gold's his. It's all he is. We got to find out his plan. Stick with his plan. His plan, you, you, you find out from heaven what you need to do in your situation and take authority over it. Why? Because you're not sick trying to get healed. You are the healed. And you're enforcing it. You're not the, the lack trying to get prosperous. You are the prosperous. There's a story I heard years ago, and I don't even remember who said it, but it was a, a man went up to this Jewish man, and he asked him this question. He said, I got a question for you as a Jewish man. He said, sure, go ahead. He said, tell me, why is it, or how is it that Jews are always rich? And the, man, the Jewish man looked at him and said, well, that's simple, I'm a, I'm a Jew. He said, no, 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 you, you didn't understand what I said. I want to know what, how, why or how is it that Jewish people are always rich? He said, well, I told you it's simple. I'm a Jew. The guy got a little frustrated with him. He said, no, 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 you're not... You're not understanding what I'm saying. I'm, I want to know why. Why are you as Jews rich? He said, because I'm a Jew. What the man was asking, the Jewish man knew Jew and rich are inseparable. You can't separate them. He was wanting to know how to separate. And he was saying, you can't. I'm rich because I'm a Jew. I'm a Jew and therefore I'm rich. It's the same thing for a Christian. Why are you Christians always rich? Because I'm a Christian. I'm a Christ follower. Why are you Christians always healed? Because I'm a Christian. I'm a covenant. I'm a tither because God said if I would tithe and bring all the tithes, he said he would rebuke the devourer for me. Amen. See, that's, that, that causes a whole mindset to be changed, a whole way of thinking. But the only way that thing's going to change is if you change how you think. And that's why God brings you into a place into a house of his, of God that honors him, that worships him, and he puts a shepherd in that house that can see your face, and he can perfect that which is lacking. Now, you have the ultimate opportunity. You can receive it or not. It ain't going to make me mad. I've had many people not receive it. Many, many, many. And their lives are shipwrecked today. I've seen them. I, I don't know. Some of them I don't know because I just haven't seen them. But there's one, the ones I do know, the last I miss.
Why? Well, that's a spiritual law you can't change. Pharaoh lost his whole kingdom. His whole kingdom. Why? Because he did not recognize the face of a man that God sent to Moses speaking to him. Because Pharaoh failed to realize and see that God at that very moment was speaking to him saying, let my people go. Oh no, I'll spend another night with the locusts. Okay, have it your way. And the locusts came. And we went through all the plagues. Why? Because Pharaoh was saying the face of God manifested in Moses and failed to recognize it. It happens in churches. It's happening today. There's people in congregations that the Spirit of God is speaking through the shepherd to them and they were not receiving it because they just see that pastor is, he's just Mike. He's just, it's just Sally. They're here to encourage us. Yes, encouraging is part of a shepherd. But we're here to teach you. We're here to inspire you to do the word of God, to be a disciple, not a follower of Christ. You can be followers on Facebook. But you're to be, your call is to be a disciple doing what Jesus did and does. And the only way you're going to get better is when a shepherd or the five-fold ministry sees you face to face. And you're in a place that you're supposed to be. Not over here on the other side of town. Not, not in another state. I've seen people leave their churches because of a job promotion. Yeah. Well, I got this great job offer and I'm going to make twice the money. Yeah, but what, what about God? Who's the shepherd? Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll find somebody. Oh, no, you won't. You may never find. That's why God said back in Deuteronomy, He said, Remember me. Remember me when abundance comes. Because it's me that gave you the power to get wealth. So what, ha what happens? People, they change jobs. Why? Because they got, they got a better job offer. They go to another city. They're making twice the money. Within five years, their marriage is in divorce. Within ten years, the kids, they don't even know what sex they are anymore. Fifteen years down the road, you've had several of your children commit suicide. All for what? Because many are the devices of man. Many are the plants of man. We got people that should be here today that aren't. I'm not talking about the ones that don't. I'm talking about ones that should be here that God's called and told them, come here, and they're not. I realize people have plans. I'm, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about God has spoken to specific people in this city and the surrounding areas. <laughs> do you know? Do you 
Think for a minute, God cares whether you live, they live 50 miles away. Do you know what the Heavenly Father to them if they say, well, Lord, why would I have 50 miles to go to church? Think about that one. Maybe the Father would say, well, because if you had listened to me in the beginning, I'd have told you to get a job over here, which would have been closer to that church to begin with. But now since you did things your way, now you drive the 50 miles. But that's where I want you to go. And over there, we've had people drive 40 and 50 miles to come here. Yeah. But what happens? The devil wears them out. The devil wears them out. That's what he said in Daniel. He wearies the saints. Why do I have to go that far? To get the word. Are you getting where you're at? What you're getting here? Well, no. But I just don't see this. See, that's because you're hooked up to your, your flesh. The spirit sees things. Sees things happening. They see it in the word of God. Amen? Alright, let's take communion. Praise God. Hallelujah. If you've got your communion elements, go ahead and prepare them. You know, as I said before, Paul, Paul talks about this in Corinthians. He said, the Lord Jesus show, gave him this revelation concerning communion. And he said, many people that take communion take it in an unworthy manner. They don't discern, they don't discern um, the Lord's body. Well, what does that mean? They don't discern the Lord's body. They don't understand what they're taking. When Jesus took the bread and broke it, said he broke it and he gave thanks. He said this. He said, this is my body. He didn't say this represents my body. He said, this is my body. He did not say like some... some some uh, denominations believe that it becomes his body. No, he didn't say that. He said, this is my body. As often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. So when we take this, this, this bread here we, and we put his body in our bodies, his body becomes part of us. So everything that's in him is in us. Whatever it is you need. Healing, here it is. It, it's, this is it. You know, the world would say it this way. Boy, I wish I had a magic pill. This ain't magic. This is real. Healing right here. Here it is. Here it is right here. Take it. Now, if your neighbor was to say, Hey, could, could I have that piece of bread that you just had? It's too late. It's in me. It's part of me now. I can't, I, can't give it, I can't give it to you because now it's part of me. Right? That would make sense. So if now it's part of me, then what, what, what was in Jesus' body? Because we, he said, this is my body. He, deliverance, redemption, the mind of Christ, the power of God. You got it. And many people sleep or sick because they don't discern that that was the Lord's body that they ate.
the world, like I said, the world would call it a magic pill. I'm not calling it a magic pill. I'm saying the world would call it a magic pill. Well, I just wish I could take a magic pill or I'd lose the weight. There you go! It's not a magic pill, but it'll cause you to lose weight. How do you do? Use your faith. Then he took the cup and he blessed it. And he said, this cup is my blood. Unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you have no part in me and I have no part in you. We take the blood because the blood washes us and cleanses us from all sin. Now, listen to me very closely. I don't care what you came in here with. I don't care what you thought you came in here with. The only thing you got in you now is God. Because that blood just washed you and cleansed you from all unrighteousness. Lack is unrighteous. Fear, if you've got an issue with fear, that is unrighteous. You have been cleansed from fear. Sickness. No, not anymore. And don't you dare let somebody tell you about a generational stupid curse. There's no such thing. The Bible even tells us when you receive Jesus, behold, I make all things new. Are they new or are they generational? You can't serve two masters. Because you'll love one and you'll hate the other. And I've had people, when I say things like that to them about generational, get violently mad with me. Serve your religion. Go down and bow and worship and get sick and all that stuff. All you want must be poor. And you won't enjoy a thing. Jesus didn't do that. He, he came to free us from religion. The Sadducees and the Pharisees. That's religion. You know, I've had people, and it, you, you can do this too. People say, well, you, you invite them to church. Oh, I'm not a religious person. Great, you'll fit right in because we're not religious either. <laughs> Jesus will set you free from religion. He will set you free from religion. And you tell people something like that, and they'll go, what? You're not religious? No. You know what religion is. Pretending that you believe the word of God when you really don't believe it and acting like you, you do believe it. And you don't even know what's in it. That's religious. You don't even know what's in the word. But you want to act like you, you, you know what's in it. But you don't, know, you don't have any scripture. In order for something to be scriptural, you've got to have what? Scripture. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Did you get something today? You're, 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 